Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. 11 o'clock. Welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, Tyler West and Chris with you here. 107.5 The Game in Columbia, 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach, 100.5 The Game out in Florence. The Game TV, sponsored by Shepherd's Glass, where Wes has, you know, fixed our camera angles a little bit <laughs> to where you, your viewing experience is now It's been upgraded. Better. It's optimized. Man, I'm kind of... We still got this arm look, in front of Chris's which, face. Hey, look oh, at, get, come here, Chris. Yep. Look, look at how perfectly framed the Garnet Trust sign is above me. Yeah. Like that, that's that was, that's that's perfect by design. Need to get a Gamecock Central logo and a 107.5 logo. Boom! Mm-hmm. All about brands well. here. If you're watching us on the Game TV, you can see I'm the only one wearing a quarter zip today, guys. What the heck? Thought we were celebrating. That's true. I'm gonna have to get one of those new Garnet Trust quarter zips. We've been told that it's going on sale. Yeah, maybe today. And they're they're selling something with like a Lamont quote. What is it exactly? Oh that yeah, the, the Lamont quote is going on sale today. I believe quarter zip. I believe is still in the works. But what's how, how can you the quote like what is it printed on? I think a shirt. A shirt. Okay, that'll be pretty awesome. Let's see. That's a good quote. Let, let me let me be let me be honest, guys. I didn't think they had this one in them. Ten- yeah. Tennessee has they're a different animal. Tennessee has destroyed South Carolina. <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, like historic. <laughs> what it, what is it like? Is it five wins out of the past like twenty games? I think it was eleven of twelve. Eleven of twelve. And, you know, for Tennessee, yeah. <laughs> and, and not only that, because you can look at the two games they played against Tennessee last year, got beat by what forty two and thirty seven or something yeah. like that. Just didn't even look like they belonged in the same court with them. And, and, and last night. 
just went out there and beat them up one end of the court and down the other. And, and, and beat a top five team on the road for the first time since 1997. Yeah, and that that's a Tennessee team. Like, we, we were looking through their their last five on their schedule. And, I mean, most of their games, they were they were blowing people out at home. So, I, I, I mean, I sat here and said it. I was like, if, if, it's, if there's four minutes left in mm-hmm. this game and South Carolina's in the game, it, it in a big picture standpoint, sure, you consider it a, a win. And instead, they just said, no, we're, we're going to go, we're just going to go win the game. And, you know, I, I thought, once again, guys, another fantastic just team effort. You've now, you know, you, you've won these last few games. And the, the last two games, you didn't get the scoring performance for Michi that I would have thought you had to have. So if you if you told me before the season started, yeah, South Carolina's going to go beat a top five team on the road, I would have said, oh, Michi went off. And so this, this team is just getting deeper and deeper, I, I think, in terms of guys developing, guys building confidence. Talon Cooper, once again, showing you that when he needs to be the distributor, he'll be that. When he needs to score... He can be that guy too, and so, I mean, uh, who who's the best player on this team? Yes, like I I don't I don't know anymore. I I thought so. I don't know if I had this take on air, but I thought if you just say, "Hey, man, who are the best three players on this team?" I thought coming in, it was Michi, BJ, Talon, mm-hmm. in that order. Yeah, I think that's fair. Ask me after any game, and I'll throw that order into a box and just pull it like pull out a random order. And, and then you you got you got Colin Murray Boyles, who sky is the limit with this dude. Ultimately, may, may be the most ta- just talented kid on the floor for Carolina. And then Chris's boy Studi, I thought I actually thought he he was the X factor in this game. Coming back from an injury, and Coach Paris mentioned this last night, there's sometimes guys are, are almost trying to make up for lost time. Like, hey, I'm out for two weeks. I got I to gotta prove that I'm an important piece of this team and, and show what they were missing. Not Studi. Goes out there very effective last night. Gets his, what, 13 points, three or four from the, four, uh, from the floor, three of three from beyond the arc, and four for four from the line. All coming in the final minutes. Game on the like. If he's not making this free throws, that's keeping Tennessee in this game. Makes all four of them while trash talking the Volunteers <laughs> at the same time. Like, dude has ice water in his veins. What a baller! Uh, go ahead, Wes. I, I just want to know what he was saying. That that's so. I actually looked. I don't know if I was going to admit this. I was like, all right, is there some kind of AI machine now? You know, there's so much AI. Like, is there a lip reader out there? There apparently is some kind of technology, but. It's probably very expensive at this point. I think it's for well, like in, in industrial, like for it's the not, FBI. Yeah, or it's, something it's for it's for like big organizations. I don't think they've released it to individuals well, yet. But uh, I would assume since he's doing this on the court and there's an official right there, it's probably nothing too vulgar because that can yeah. you can get dinged for that. So just I imagine it he was felt confident about you know, making the. Free I don't think throws. he was yeah. inviting him to dinner either. I, I don't. I don't think he was doing that for sure. But to to do that coming back from an injury and look, he he wanted to play on Saturday against. Missouri was out there warming up and didn't get a chance to see the court, but like dead on two weeks after that injury against Georgia, back out there, played you know twenty minutes overall and, and effective in those twenty minutes. Like uh, this team's 
was good in his absence. Obviously, they beat Kentucky last week. Now to have him back is just another piece you can add to an already very good team. Yeah, it, it was it was a complete, like Wes said, like a team effort. And I think there's a there's so many things that stand out about this team. Um, I go back to constantly what we said before the season. And I don't know if anyone expected what we've seen out of this team. We expected improvement for sure. But you can tell this team has played a lot of basketball. And it's guys, it's a collection of guys that have played a lot of basketball. They've played it well at a high level. Um, and then it's a group of versatile guys, you know, and and they all play well together. They've continued to gel. You can tell they enjoy playing together. They they have a knack for making big plays, like like Talon Cooper, right? Talon Cooper coming in before he even played one game for South Carolina, he played in 126 games in college, you know, between his time at Moorhead State and then at Minnesota. He had started 82 games. And it's what the, okay, cool. He he's played a bunch of basketball, but he's played it at a high level. And and I think we're seeing that. He's just he's calm, he's steady. Like you said, Wes, he can do a variety of things for you. BJ Mack. You know, that's the other thing about this kind of side note. This isn't one of those games where you're like somebody went off or just Tennessee just couldn't, you know, couldn't hit anything. They didn't shoot very well, right? But Tennessee couldn't hit anything. South Carolina hit everything. No, South Carolina left a lot of plays on the court, actually. Mm -hmm. They didn't shoot particularly well in this game. They shot well from the free throw line. Sure. Didn't hit as high of a clip of threes as they're capable of. Missed some makeable shots. They just won the game. They were just better. And when you look at B.J. Mack, he can hit the outside shot. He was critical down the stretch because I think they ran the same play three or four times in a row. Yep. They isolated Mack, and then he would back somebody down, drew two or three fouls in a row, right? And South Carolina, in addition to being super experienced, they're really well coached. They have an identity, and that is they can score – but last night they took the game to Tennessee because they said we're going to play great defense, we're going to run half court off, we're going to deal with the ball pressure, get to half court, and then we're going to take time off the clock and get a good shot. And they were able to do that over and over. You mentioned that experience, and I did a hit with the Knoxville station yesterday afternoon before this game, and they asked, you know, what was the biggest difference between this team from last year to now, and the experience was top of the list because I think Lamont Pierce looked at what he was dealing with in the SEC in year number one and realized he needed a different caliber of player on his team and essentially rebuilt the starting five through the transfer portals where they're one of the most experienced teams in all of Division One basketball, and it shows in games like that where, again, it wasn't, you know, oh, well, Talon Cooper went off for 30 points, had a good night, 18 points, four or five from three, but it was a sum of the uh, of the team as one unit, as we've seen so many times, and um, that's why they're successful. That's why you have belief that this team, that as now that you've beaten two top ten teams in consecutive weeks, I feel like the perception kind of shifts like, hey, this team has aspirations to not only be in the tournament, maybe make some noise when March rolls around. I thought Dane Bradshaw had a great call when there was a certain play. I can't remember exactly when it was in the game, but uh, it looked like South Carolina had a breakaway and Talon sort of uh, pulled up and, and recircled back around and just reset the play. And uh, Tom Hart said, are you okay with that decision? And right right off the bat, Dane said, I'm okay with any decision that Talon Cooper makes. And it, that, I mean, that's some respect from a, a former SEC athlete to just say, look, Whatever that guy sees on the court, I'm good with it. And I, I just, man, the the size 
that Talon has for a point guard, I, I think is very valuable. He sees the floor so well, but then I, I don't think I realize what a scorer he is when he needs to be, when he has to be, and he, he's completely okay not being that, but it, it's it's hard to step into a program and just take over as a leader. And I, I think this team, I think there's a bunch of leaders on this team. I think Michi's a leader. But Talon, as the point guard on this team, he just feels like a leader. And, you know, he, he's been so impressive top to bottom. But a lot of guys have. And sometimes when you have a bunch of older guys who are coming together, they haven't played together, maybe there would be a little bit, I don't know if jealousy or animosity is, I think that's too strong of a word, but maybe there'd be a little bit of tugging, you know, oh, no, this is my team. That does not seem to be the case with this group at all. They're having a blast together. They um, they keep it even killed, but they also have a le- level of swag as well. I, I even thought, you know, they- they've taken on the personality of their coach. I thought just watching Lamont Paris. He had a little bit of he had a little extra edge last night too. It kind of felt like to me, but that that just top to bottom, man. They they've got ice water. Obviously, Studi was the perfect example, but this entire team has ice water in their veins. The Knoxville crowd got back into the game late. Their dude is just going off, and Carolina didn't panic at all. Found a way to hang on and win at the end, and. It's impressive. I, I've gone from being like, man, this is a pretty good basketball team to being like, what, what, what type of run? Now you got to be hot at the, you got to be hot at the right time. Right. You got to be hot in March, still January 31st. But if they can keep this going, I mean, what, what type of run could this team make? It's, it's time to start having that conversation. I think, I think when you, the point you made about the bot, you know, the body language, guys not being jealous, just all kind of pulling in the same direction. Obviously, it's it, when you're winning that helps. You know, if this thing had gone in the opposite direction, would it still be the case? I tend to think so because these guys have been around the block. They're close. They're connected. They're together, and and that's actually helped them win as well. But like you look at Michi Johnson, he had a game where he went zero for nine. He had a game last night where he wasn't himself. He's had a couple of those lately. But when you watch his body language, you would think he had he scored thirty points in the game and is out there just dominating. He's he's encouraging his guys. He's making. I mean, the play at the end of the game and Lamont Paris went into that. Hey, if you're not scoring, what else are you bringing to the table? He got into the paint, dished that ball to Talon Cooper, who got himself open and buried the corner three. That was a play that that won the game for them. And again, he only scored three on that one three pointer they made. Had two steals. Had two had uh, six assists and six rebounds as well, so he was contributing as you mentioned in other areas of the court, um, which again kind of goes back to this team just operating as um you know as one unit, and and it's exciting to watch and a very fun brand of basketball that hopefully continues to lead to more success. But I think this really opened up uh, a lot of people's eyes. They weren't already open already for what they did last week, so just how legit this team is. We will uh, continue this conversation about. Carolina men's basketball coming up. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Again, keep it locked right here all day long for your next chance. Here's the keyword to win the Vegas big game giveaway um, for your weekend stay at the Fountain Blue Las Vegas for the big game coming up here in a couple weeks. Um, it is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. The 175 The Game app and streaming live on the game TV. 
Mack on the far sideline now gives to Cooper. Cooper being crowded by Zeke. Now stuck in a double team. Gives it out to Mack at the top of the key. BJ bullies his way into the high post. Gives back to Cooper. Quick pass to Jacoby. Fakes this man out. Resets the feet. Let's the three ball fly. He got it. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game in Columbia, Florence, and Myrtle Beach. The 107.5 The Game app and stream it on the Game TV. Search the Game TV and watch us all day long. Sponsored by Shepherd's Glass. That was a call from Derek Scott and the Gamecocks Radio Network. One of uh, uh, Jacoby Wright's three-pointers from last night. Uh, one of the many that helped South Carolina en route to the 63-59 victory there in Knoxville. Um, and look, guys, I haven't been integrated in South Carolina basketball for, for very long, but I know compared to last year, this season's a whole lot more fun. Does this season through 21 games compare to any other in, in years past that you can remember? I mean, it's, it's got to be right there probably with the 2017 group. And, you know, that, that team made the miraculous run to the Final Four. and But they weren't even this good in the regular season at this point. Uh, see, that that's... I, you'd have to check the record, but the the 2016 and 2017 2016 and 2017 teams were actually really good, and they maybe didn't get the national respect that I think they deserved. But you can go back; 2016 team absolutely should have been in the tournament. Yeah, and then of course the the team that ends up making a Final Four run. I'm not saying people locally expected them to go to the Final Four. But they're what like I, I don't want to in any way diminish what that team was doing because they started out. I mean, they won their first um golly, how many games did they win in a row to start that season? Like they they were on an absolute tear so to start the year. It looks like they started off eight and zero. They lost in non conference to Seton Hall, Clemson, and Memphis. Memphis was outside the top one hundred in Ken Palm. And then by the end of January, the only conference loss they had was to Kentucky on the road. Yeah, so so they that, were they were sitting at 17 and 4 at this point in that point in time. So not far off, but yeah, they know, were just something different feels like about this team. They they were cooking, but that that's it it actually they seem very similar. Um they seem very similar to um to that team in that I I remember and we'll see if this continues. They were playing such good team basketball by the end of the year, that it, it just all clicked. And uh, the thing about that team was that P.J. was playing his best basketball of his career by the end. Sanders was playing his best basketball. Justin Mackey was playing his best basketball. That entire team kind of came together at the very end of the season. But this one, it, you know, it's been a little bit different path. It is gelled. But the the excitement level, um, I, I would say at this point in that season, the excitement level around the team was high but not quite to the point that this one is right now. Now, of course, when they were making that run and you're playing in Madison Square Garden, (laughs) then it it was at a fever pitch. Yeah, it does. I mean, thinking back to that same time, it seems like this team has gelled, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's so hard to predict. I mean, we have seen teams that have just – been a ramrod during the regular season, during the conference tournament. They get nest into the NCAA tournament. One and done. Sure. Or two and Q. You sure. know, we've seen that off like Tennessee's actually. <laughs> Not to pile on them, but they're a good example of that. Like mm-hmm. that's been a, that's been kind of a hallmark of Rick Barnes' career in the NCAA tournament. He's had some great teams in the regular season. 
and like Wes said, that that six that 2016-17 team, they were a good team. You could look at them and say, you know, I think this team could make a run. They're they're built the right way. Final four, I don't think anybody expected that. Yeah, Especially, and and nobody's saying that about this team either. That, which could it happen? Sure, but, but you're not banking on it. Well, but you can, but you can. It's not like this stretch, this leap to take what we've seen with this team and say, you know, it, it, if we go spring forward in time, you say this team ended up making the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight. Sure. It's, oh, I can't believe that. There's no way I would have envisioned that. Now, again, that doesn't mean you should expect it. A lot of really good college basketball teams, but South Carolina is, sure. is one of them. And, you know, we go back to a week ago, and we were all feeling good last Wednesday talking about the Kentucky win, but I feel like there was a hesitancy from not only us, but, you know, the fan base as well to, to say what this team was truly capable of because you knew you had this tough test mm-hmm. on the road at Tennessee last night. And I think last night was a confirmation that, like, they're legit. They can play with anyone. And, again, does that mean they're going to go undefeated the conference play? Likely not. You know, you still got tough games. Got a rematch with Tennessee later on at Colonial Life Arena that, you know, is going to be tough. Got a couple games against Ole Miss. Got to play Georgia again this weekend. Um, you know, it's not going to be an easy slate, as no slate in the SEC is. So, I'm not saying they're going to win out by any means. But, like, they showed you last night and last week as well, they have the capability to play against any top-level mm-hmm. team and – not only be competitive, but win. And you can look at, I know Calipari had his comment about, you know, Michi Johnson, and this wasn't a case of, hey, well, these teams are just having bad night shooting and South Carolina's getting lucky. No, they're consistently keeping teams on the low end of their shooting percentage that's, in just about every single game. That's where that's where everything actually starts is the defense. I mean, this this Tennessee offense is outstanding, and they scored 59 points. Now, was part of that shooting? Sure. I mean, at one point in the game, they were like fifty percent on layups, you know. Right. But South Carolina, they they contested. They made them take tough shots, and that is ultimately what you can do. I mean, you're going to have a guy like Dalton Connect make a a running leaner three pointer late mm-hmm. in the game that made it a little bit interesting. Like those types of things are going to happen when you play against competition, like South Carolina plays against. Um, but it starts with the defense, and that's why, like. When you look at the way this team is built, and since we're drawing the parallel, again, don't say, oh, they got to make the Final Four a disappointment, you know, or something insane like that. Right. But when you compare the teams, you like you look at 16-17, they had guys that could score in a variety of ways. They could shoot some from the outside. They had an inside presence. They could rebound. They were going to play really good defense. Uh, and they had some versatility, right? They had a guy like Dwayne Notice who was kind of a 3-and-D type player. They have a lot of those different types of personalities and skill sets on this team. You got B.J. Mack, very unique player. Studi, you know, guard multiple positions. He can hit threes, like three for three last night. Mm-hmm. Michi Johnson, who can get in the paint and score. I mean, you can go on and on. They're just they're built in a way that I think is sustainable, not only for the season, but even when you get into tournament play. And this isn't a team that's going to get into tournament play and, like, fold up. Like, they've been there before. They've played a lot of basketball. Sure, absolutely. You know, it's been fun to watch. And, you know, now, again, that you've done this in consecutive weeks against Kentucky and Tennessee, you're finally going to get that national attention that people have been saying South Carolina 
has not gotten. You're going to get ranked when the rankings come out next week. I am 99.9% sure about that. You're getting talked about on the major talk shows. Like, you are finally a focal point of college basketball. And uh, not that I think it's going to be a deterrent, but I'll be interested to see how this team handles that, now knowing that people believe in what they're doing and now knowing that they don't have as big of a chip on their shoulder. How do they handle that going forward? Is uh, It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, it is. And, and I think... You know, you don't. I don't think you really worry about this team. Will they? Because we have some evidence of it too. You know, will they get too high after the Kentucky win? No, they won't. You know, they're going again. They're going to stay pretty even keel. They're going to take on the personality of their coach. They're even keel, but they also have an edge. It's kind of like the the right mix. Right. I mean, the guys are going to go on social media after the game and continue playing the. Hey, y'all, y'all keep not believing in us. That's fine, you know. But they're not going to let it affect their play. They're going to go out there and play confidently, make the right type of plays, and, and I think that's showing. There's a great article, credit where it's due, on 24-7 Sports, talking about the Wisconsin background of Lamont Paris and this style of basketball. And try to get the guy's name here to give credit where it's due. Isaac Trotter. Guys, did, I haven't seen this. Maybe it's been floating around. I haven't seen this stat floating around. Y'all know Tennessee's record at home their last 43 basketball games? I know they hadn't lost one this season. They had won 41 of 43 games Jeez. at home. That I mean, that that is it, insane. And, and not only that, this season specifically, they were handling opponents, beating them by an average of about oh, yeah. 20 points. Like They destroyed Alabama at home by 20 points. That, like, and that's why I thought, you know what? You you shouldn't have high expectations going into this game just sure. because winning on the road is so hard in this league. It's it's hard to beat teams you are better than right. on the road. But winning against a team like th- that's a legitimate team. Beating those guys on the road, I just I didn't think it was in the cards at all. Yeah. And they, they continue to prove people wrong. Absolutely. Well, Tennessee was in the headlines for some other reasons leading into the game last <laughs> night. And uh, it, it's going to make for a, a very interesting case Going forward, we'll dive into that coming up. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Columbia, Florence, and Morton Beach, the 107.5 The Game app, and streaming on the game TV, sponsored by Shepherds. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you on this Wednesday morning, of course, uh, talking about last night's big victory for the Gamecock men as they took down Tennessee 63-59 to out there in Thompson Bowling Arena for another impressive win to improve to 18-3 on the season. Earlier on yesterday afternoon, though, Tennessee was in the headlines for a much different reason as the NCAA is once again looking into the University of Tennessee for violations, this time relating to name, image, and likeness. And now not all of the details have come out about this yet, but it is believed, and it was reported on by Pat Ford of um, Sports Illustrated, that this revolves around something to do with Nico Imalieva. I believe I Chris Clark is our resident enunciator. Regard Nico. I knew it a few weeks ago. Everybody knows Nico him as Nico, I. the five star who's expected to be the starting quarterback this year for some possible violations in regards to his recruitment back a couple years ago. Look, this is nothing new. The NCAA comes after schools all the time. What is new, though, is the chancellor of Tennessee immediately clapping back and to, <laughs> to um, paraphrase D. Snyder, we're not going to take it. We're not going to take it anymore. Y'all remember when the NCAA would come after a school and they'd be like, oh, no, what do, what do, you, what do we need to do? they just yeah, cower yeah. in the corner and yeah. wait for their beating. 
Does it not seem like those days are, are over? Like it's and and it's been a common trend for people to be like, oh, the NCAA has no power anymore. And it's one thing to say that. It's another for when the NCAA tries to like show their power. How do teams react? How do schools react? I should say. Well, Tennessee. I mean, far be it for me to be a Tennessee defender, but their point. How do you six months ago praise Tennessee? <laughs> for how they've handled a situation, and then essentially six months later be like, oh, man, they're lacking institutional control here. Like, I, I it, it's, it's a, that's a tough argument to make, I feel like. It's a tough argument to make, and they're trying to retroactively enforce rules that weren't in place at the time these supposed violations occurred. That's complete, yeah. I mean, for, for a long time, the NCAA has existed outside the laws of common sense, basically. And and that's the I mean, if I bro- if I went and did something that was legal, and then six months later a cop shows up at my door, I sound like Colin Coward or something <laughs> like with the examples, and and he's like, I'm I'm sorry, Mister Clark, you broke the law. Well, what did I do? Well, this thing we we just changed the law yesterday, so we're going we're going to pick you up on that. What? I mean, that makes no sense at all. And I mean, Donnie Plowman made some great points in her letter in that y- you send out guidance, right? It's it's not it's not really the po- like it's an interim policy. It's guidance. It's an email, it's a memo. And it and it's constantly changing, right? I mean the the thing South Carolina had to shut down what it was doing as an institution on the NIL front. You're told no you can't do that. So, so all that work you put in, you have to shut it down. All the money you put in, wasted. And then now we're at a point months later where you can do those very things. You know, so just completely – so what are – how do people even know how to operate? Another thing she brought up that was a great point is, hey, you got these rules that, you know, collectives can talk to student – to prospective student athletes. They can talk to them about NIL, but they can't have a recruiting conversation with them. What does that even mean? Why are we going through this charade of pretending that it doesn't happen? It's just all very silly. Well, and, yeah. everything, and going back to the NCAA continuing to lose in court, it all ties back to antitrust laws, which they continue to be found in violation of. And recruiting, where you go, what your value is, that all affects your market value. And so in this instance, where, again, I expect the NCAA to lose in court once again, the notion of, hey, if you're – affecting their ability to speak to these collectives and stuff like that before they go to a university, not from a recruiting standpoint, that's affecting their market value because they don't know what they can make when they get there. And again, going back to the rules that were in place at the time of these alleged violations, it doesn't necessarily say you can't do these things that they did. Yeah, and I... So, a lot of this, too, I will say, um, I, I did find a little bit funny, the response from... Let's see, the attorney of Spire Sports Group, Tom Mars, who said um, in early 2022, independent of the University of Tennessee or anyone associated with its athletics program, Spire Sports entered into a mutually beneficial contractual relationship, lots of lawyerese here, with Nico <laughs> I that involved a limited assignment of his NIL rights no matter which school he chose to attend. So 
essentially the the lawyer side of this, like the when you really get down to the law side of this, is kind of all right. We all know that's a Tennessee collective, mm-hmm. but. They don't have any official connection to the university, which is, by the way, how you said it had to be, mm-hmm. NCAA. Mm-hmm. So you can make an argument, as silly as it may be, that, hey, we never said he had to go to Tennessee just by entering this agreement. They go on to say, the parties agreed that their contractual rights and obligations will be governed by California law which freely allows prospective college athletes to enter into such agreements. So it's got, I mean, in some ways you're like, common sense tells us, all right, this is a Tennessee collective. But by the absolute letter of the law, you're saying that Tennessee collective actually has nothing to do with Tennessee. If you had allowed for the collectives to be official entities Mm -hmm. and you had some rule that said, well, you can't do this until you're on campus, then you, the NCAA might actually have an argument. And the NCAA, in, in some of these recent meetings and proposals, they are trying to tie the collectives to the universities now, which, again, you know, kind of creates a new narrative around this where, again, you're trying to retroactively enforce rules that weren't in place at that time. You mentioned the California NIL law. Chris and I talked about this yesterday on the Garner Trust Hour, before we even knew all this stuff was going to be dropping later on the day, you know, pertaining to what's going on, you know, here at the South Carolina House and um, House and Senate, California was one of the first ones, I think they were the first state to really jump in on the NIL mm-hmm. thing to the point where the NCAA, before it became live across the country, was threatening to not allow their schools to compete in championships because, whoa, you know, we want to preserve amateurism and all that kind of stuff. And then 30 other states jumped on and the NCAA said, oh, crap, I guess we got to make this thing live now. So, again, that's a state that has more open laws than anybody at that point in time that allows their student-athletes to do those kind of things, which, again, by the letter of the law, they technically didn't do anything wrong. The, the funny thing about this, I was just thinking about this, is that fans, and, and this is not an NCAA defense, believe me. Y'all that, I mean, I, I don't I don't. Chris loves the NCAA. Yeah. But, like, the schools and the fans of the schools are constantly going, we have got to rein this thing in. What What can we do? But then on the other side, if they get dinged for something, it's like, we didn't do anything. Reel it in this for everybody terrible. else. Yeah, reel it in for everybody else. But but you know, gen- and those can be those don't have to be the same thing, right? I mean, both those things can be true to an extent. But it, it is just funny, and you know, if you're a fan and you're saying, I, you know, got it, got to have some type of control. The NCAA is trying to control it, but they're they're just failing because they've done it. They've done it so so badly, you know, over over the course of time. And you know, this lawsuit from Tennessee and Virginia has joined in the state of Virginia. Um, it would grant a temporary restraining order for the NCAA to be able to enforce its NIL policies. If that happens, which oof. there's already a temporary restraining order on the two-time transfer, the transfer thing, which has opened up the doors to essentially free agency right now, which, again, they're going to court for that as well, which I imagine they're going <laughs> to lose. So we're going to have transfers across the board, no limits on it. Who knows what this means for NIL? Well, and I think, and pra- practically, it doesn't mean much, really, because then everything that's being done will just continue being done. It, it might, it might open, it make things easier for people because you can just do it now as opposed to going through the charade. The biggest practical effect is that they wouldn't be able to punish or try to punish schools for for doing it. 
I just never thought we'd be talking about TROs so much in college <laughs> athletics, but here we are. By the way, guys, for the other side, new bracketology oh boy. just out oh, from Lenardi. We'll hit that coming up. Wrapping up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game, Columbia and Florida, Smartle Beach, the 107.5 The Game app, streaming live on the Game TV, sponsored by Shepherd's Glass. Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Metro, along with you for a few more minutes here on the game. Columbia, Florida, Myrtle Beach, the 107.5 The Game app, and streaming live on the Game TV, sponsored by Shepherd's Glass. I want to remind you once again about the Balls and Strikes Valentine's Weekend Contest brought to you by Hilton Garden Inn. Go online to 107.5thegame.com to register for your chance to win a pair of tickets to the season-opening baseball series against Miami of Ohio Friday through Sunday, February 16th through the 18th out at Founders Park. You also get a two-night stay Friday and Saturday night at the Hilton Garden Inn right here on Gervais Street, as well as breakfast and a pregame meal served by the Garden Grill right there in the hotel. Again, head on over to 107.5thegame.com and register for your chance to win. As you would assume, with last night's win over a top-five team on the road, first time since 1997, I was not even a year old at that point in time. Dang, mm. Tyler. Whew. Sorry. You you Sorry mentioned off air, you were talking about home improvement, and yeah. my first thought was that you watched that show like archived. Like oh, you yeah. weren't even alive during that show. Oh, I wasn't. I, I've That's watched insane. I've watched it back through like three times on Hulu, but yeah, I it's, wasn't it's wasn't around program. when that show was on for the most part. <sighs> what was, was the last year of it? I it was like ninety eight, maybe. So maybe it was like mm. two, but that okay. wasn't coherent I don't think you remember. when watching it. Um regardless, it's been a long time since South Carolina pulled off what they did last night. And as you would assume, they've now moved up a little bit in bracketology. Where do y'all think they are? You've already looked. Have you I have looked? looked? Well, you told us. I did? I think you did. I think you no, told I us the seed. No? Okay. Well, maybe I just had it in my head then. They're a sixth seed now. I no. think you said that. Oh, maybe I did. Yeah. Number 24 overall. They've moved out of the bubble category, which is kind of where they've been floating for a while in that first four in, you know, last four buys type of category. They've moved out of there now. They are safely within the field of 64 as it stands, which, again, when you beat two top 10 teams in consecutive weeks, that's where you'll usually end up. Do, do we have to wait 24 hours before we start the, ah, can't, can't lit up against Georgia now? Do we, do we have to wait a little bit longer before that? Um, Georgia, by hey, the way, ahead. in the considered category. That's right. Number 84 overall. Mm-hmm. And that, like we talked about, that's really the one game this year that you kind of look at where you say, man, they, they kind of let one get away. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's sports. That's athletics. Like, it, it's going to happen time to time, but... Um, it, it would be another massive win for them going on the road. And the way these metrics and analytics work, road wins are just are huge mm-hmm. for you. So so another opportunity they can sort of even things out there. Georgia, on the other hand, how, how about this? We're, we're, we can now have a conversation where beating South Carolina is a – if you're Georgia and you can say you beat South Carolina twice – that's a resume-building win. Big time. What, what does that say about it's the program crazy. now that beating the Gamecocks well, is something that is important for your resume? Well, that, that says a ton. That would be two quad one wins for Georgia if they're able to pull that off this weekend. As it stands right now, South Carolina combined between quads one and two is seven and two overall. Only two losses being, of course, to, to Alabama and um, you know to Clemson earlier on in the season. But... I mean, racking up good wins against really good teams, and at the end of the day, that's what truly matters when it comes to 
where you're going to land in the NCAA tournament. Again, we talk about rankings, and that's great and all that kind of stuff, and I assume they're going to be in the top 25 when next week rolls around. But at the end of the day, it's about getting into the into the dance, and South Carolina is doing everything that they can right now to put themselves in a pretty good position. Well, she brought up the FPI before the Tennessee game. 90, what was it, 92% in favor of Tennessee? Yes. Um, what do you all think it is for the Georgia game this time around? Georgia, uh, Georgia, Georgia favored. Okay. Um, I'll go South Carolina like 60-40. You think South Carolina's favored? I think so. I think Georgia's favored 60-62. Georgia 58.8%. Really? Wow. You know, fairly close. But, yeah, dogs favored. Their last five. I mean, look, they beat LSU by two. They beat South Carolina. South Carolina's only lost in their last five games. And then the dogs lost – by six to Tennessee, they lost an overtime game at Florida, and then they lost to Kentucky in what was a pretty competitive game. So mm-hmm. it's a good team, and you are playing them on the road. So, you know. Georgia's it, 78 in the net right now, by the way. And the Gamecocks in the net, I, I very much enjoyed all the jokes about South Carolina dropping in the net for actually winning a game against the top five team, which they didn't. They moved up, I think, 10 spots, but they're 39th That's correct. in the net. Yep. There's a lot of basketball teams. A lot of good basketball teams. For sure. 39? Yeah. Yeah. Not a fan, Chris? A- again. At not, the, not a net fan. At, at, the end, like at the end of the day, as long as you're in, that's ultimately all that matters. That, and that's right. That's right. They're doing what they can to, to make that possible. Um, so, yeah, excited to see what happens on the road this weekend at Georgia. Uh, see if they can avenge that loss. Again, that kind of let slip through your fingers there late at uh, Colonial Life Arena the other week. And, See if they can get to that 21 mark here in these next couple of games. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Coming up next, it's halftime show with myself and Terry Ford. We'll continue this conversation about Carolina men's basketball. Let's hear more of what Lamont Paris had to say after last night's game as well. Here on the game, 107.5 The Game in Columbia, 100.5 The Game in Florence, 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach, the 107.5 The Game app, and streaming as always on the Game TV, sponsored by Shepherd's Glass. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.